this is Misty Phillip, and you are listening to the By His Grace podcast. I often get asked what my favorite episode of the podcast has been. And you know what? It's really hard because I love everyone that I have the opportunity to sit down with, to hear their stories and how they are impacting the world, the hope that they have to offer you, the listener. But I have to say that this episode and the the next episode are probably my favorite episodes of all time. This is a two-part interview and you definitely are going to want to make sure that you listen to both parts because there is so much wisdom, hope, and truth that is shared in this podcast. So I had the opportunity to meet Shane and Shane backstage after their performance at the NRB's closing session. We made arrangements to travel to Dallas to sit down with them in their studio where they share their testimony and how they came to Christ. And y'all, their stories could not be more different, but it's so beautiful the way God orchestrated their lives and for them to meet in College Station when they were in college. We talk about how they got started in music and their journey to inspire future generations of musicians to be both biblically literate, but also to have a passion for the bride of Christ to be healthy. I've had Shane and Shane on loop during some of my personal, most difficult times of lament as I've cried out to the Lord. It's also been a balm to my weary soul as I poured my heart and soul out to the Lord on the pages of The Struggle is Real. Oftentimes, I would get up at four o'clock in the morning and would have my quiet time with the Lord, and I would listen to the, the hymns and the psalms, and then I would just sit down and just write from an overflow of worship. In this episode, you will see their heart for God and his people truly shining through as they authentically try to lay their lives down in submission to God and to serve him and the church through their worship music. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Shane and Shane as much as I did. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. So 
I am in the studio today with Shane and Shane. Welcome to the By His Grace podcast. <laughs> Yay! So yes. glad to be here. Thank I you am for us. so excited. I just saw y'all recently in Nashville and accosted you after the show <laughs> and said you've got to be on the podcast because I love the music that you produce and just the worship that you create. So thank you for what you do and, and thanks for inviting us up here today. So I understand that y'all met in college. We did. So y'all been doing this for a while, but I want to go back before college. Like, what was your childhood like and growing up? Were y'all musical? Did you know the Lord? Like, I just want to know, like, what led up to to your time in college? Yes. Well, Shane here, not not Shane, but Shane. The other Shane. And I grew up, Shane Bernard, I grew up on the West Coast. My dad was a sort of a John Wayne, West Coast, gold-digging cowboy kind of type guy. Super adventurous, real big guy. Kind of, you know, smoked since he was like five years old, spent like his 20s in Mexico with like a gold pan and a gun kind of a thing. Like true, true story. He's just a wild person. And then my, my mom was this tiny little Catholic lady that like I think rebelled with her siblings and from Ohio and like drove west on Route 66. She was telling me about it yesterday. And they met at the Peanut Farm. It was a bar in California in, in their mid-30s and got married and then had my brother and I. I have one older brother. And so, no, my dad's, you know, idea of God is is he would always go, ah, it all goes black. <laughs> and be like, cool. And I think, I mean, it's like, my, it, was, it, it was a fun upbringing i mean there's four of full of dysfunction it was minus jesus so full of dysfunction my mom was kind of like a bad catholic so we would go to you know her parents and their parents were catholic and so she would take us to church we all hated it i don't think we said that out loud at the time but we did we kind of migrated my dad did road construction all the way through say like california washington state colorado arizona and then made it our way to texas so this is like I'm in the eighth grade and a buddy and I are in West Texas on top of his mom's roof at night, like playing football. As you do. As just, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Don't try this at home. It's just normal. You don't have hills. So you just, yeah. go on the roof. you just do those kinds of things. And the stars light up the sky in West Texas. And so in fact, we, we, we had this moment where we stopped and I looked up and it was just a moment, and, and I, I still really don't have words for it, other than maybe like Psalm 8, where it says, you know, he put the moon and the stars in their place with his fingertips. And then a couple lines later, it's like, who was man that he would be mindful of him? So that was kind of the sentiment of like, what's going on here, you know? Um, and to that point, I really hadn't heard the gospel. I, I had no idea of just the simple gospel. that That had not happened to me yet. And so I... His mom was a believer. He wasn't. His mom was a believer. And she went to a little church. And so I told my mom and dad on the next Wednesday night, I'm like, I'm going to go play basketball. It's in the day where you could be gone for like eight hours. Nobody cared. And so I would sneak into the youth group because you know, I didn't think my mom would let me if I told her where I was going. And just this little Bible church. And I heard, I heard the gospel. I heard that Jesus loved me. And like, regardless of what I do, it was just why it was the opposite of the way I, the religion that I, I grew up in and that I could know God and be forgiven. And I was just like the, I was just, <laughs> it was just like the easiest sell ever, you know, and gave my life to him and 
and then my my dad had an old prop guitar you know next to the lion rug next to the stuffed rattlesnake that was next to like actually this six foot six american indian mannequin really spooky guy held the guitar so i stole the chief's guitar i learned those four chords i'd never seen anybody play an acoustic guitar this was all foreign didn't grow up we didn't have a radio most of my life or like a I just, we just lived in the middle of nowhere in the mountains and in Washington state. My dad sang one song every single day of my life. It's called Gavi Lampoyero La Pigita That could be a cuss word, so you might have to bleep that out. <laughs> and uh, I started to lead these songs. And just in our little huddle groups and our little small groups and home groups, and I continued to do that through college, never, ever once had the thought that that was my thing or it would be my thing. It was just, you know, once a week for probably two or three hours, we would sing and pray to God. And I was the only guy with a guitar and who knew four chords. And so there was a lot of reps in there, but I didn't know that God was like using that to do something later on, you know? So that's that. That's how God saved me. And since then, God has saved my whole family. And my dad came to Christ when he was 65, years and years and years and years and years of of asking God and he like scales fell from his eyes like the most crazy when you you know all of us it's like an absolute miracle obviously when God regenerates our dead heart but my dad knowing my dad so well I mean it was just so crazy and then my brother my mom my dad died he walked with Christ for a couple years and then passed away and but God's been so gracious to reveal himself to us you know um No one is beyond saving. No. And so we just keep praying. No. So, Shane, what about you? Shane Everett here. I am from Texas. We didn't move a lot. I live about, even today, I live about a mile from where my grandfather's house was, which is kind of wild. But, yeah, my grandpa was was a deacon in a Baptist church. Very kind of what we would call kind of the frozen chosen, very, very religious, really no gospel and, and ever really flowed from my grandfather. Like, I mean, you know, but it's a very religious guy. My dad was very rebellious against that. And so I grew up in kind of a, a home with a, with a very rebellious father, you know, and a mom who started to cling to the Lord when I was in high school and, but my grandfather always made me go to camp every summer, so I got saved once a year for about 20 years, you know, so I've probably been baptized more than anybody right here, but never had it, never had like a saving knowledge of Jesus. I kind of grew up around the church, but never like, never consistent or ever was never discipled or ever had a, a transforming kind of moment until my senior year in college. And so I kind of knew the lingo. My dad knew the lingo. We 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 would have all said we were believers but like had no had no relationship with the Lord at all. But in high school, like how I how I started seeing. I mean, Shane and I both grew up in athletics. I mean, if you weren't throwing it or hitting it or, you know, we we you were a loser basically. <laughs> like the day that I 
chose to play baseball here and get out of football. I mean, the words my dad's used, probably I still probably have scars from those. <laughs> 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 anyway, yeah, just like that. That's kind of where we we just had zero art in our in our families. Like n- no, nothing. Really, we didn't talk. We didn't use words. Really grunting, grunting, and pointing. Yeah, yeah, some just, screaming. Yeah, so yeah, you know, I don't think you know his dad was road construction. My dad did paint manufacturing, and so we, my dad made paint, and so we we just kind of grew up in a in a very like blue collar world with all of those stereotypical things were all true in my family. <laughs> but um, in high school, right before my junior year, I my guidance counselor called called me into her office and said hey you have to take an art you have to take an you need an arts credit to graduate you need two arts credits and I'm like okay she said so you can get in choir or you can get in art those are the two options I thought this girl was cute in choir and so I was like I'll take choir you know and and I got in there and never sang before never thought about singing before and somehow I could sing a little bit, you know, I, I met, there's a, even a video that, that, that lives somewhere in my family where my mom and dad are videoing this first like voice recital. And I, and I'm up there and I'm singing this Billy Joel song and my dad, you hear my dad, he's like, wait, wait, he can sing. Wait, <laughs> wait a second. Wait a sec. So anyway, so that was like my introduction into like kind of, any kind of music or singing. And that, that was my junior year in high school. Ended up really enjoying singing then. But never like, it, it, I never had any aspirations of doing that. And I went to college. I went to Texas A&M and where, where Shane and I actually met and did the college thing. And um, my sophomore year in college, a, a friend of mine, they, they had a lead singer in a band that played cover songs and played at parties and stuff. And the lead singer had an internship and they're like, Hey, can you come fill in for these two shows? And I said, sure. And ended up falling into that and then did that for like three years in college and just played music to kind of pay for school. And, and we did fairly well at it, you know, but that kind of led me to my salvation story. Like in that, everything that kind of comes along with, college and kind of living in bars and that whole thing kind of was my life and and one night on the end of the stage after I'd been doing that about three years I was in Colleen Texas sitting at the end of the bar sitting at the end of the stage waiting for the check and or actually it wasn't a check it was cash but I was just waiting to get paid and uh, they turned the lights on in this bar and under the neon, it looked one way, but when the fluorescence came in on, it was different. And they're like washing this place out with like hoses. And uh, the Lord really used that image to reveal kind of the condition that I was in. And so it was that moment that like I just started weeping like uncontrollably. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. Uh, you know, guy comes out, Are you okay? I'm like, no, where's my money? Anyway, so that, that kind of began my journey. So that next morning, that was a Saturday night. The next morning, I went to a church that was by my apartment in College Station and didn't know what the 
pastor even talked about, but I knew you had to go down front and sign a card to get saved, and so I did. Uh, <laughs> Which, uh, y'all, it doesn't save you guys. No, it doesn't save you. It doesn't save you, but, but hey, you know, if you're, a, if you're a Baptist, you know what I'm talking about. But I was, and so I just... I just, I, I just knew that I needed, I needed Jesus. I didn't have the words for that, really. I just knew that, that, man, I was a sinner and I needed grace, and and I just, I knew what I was doing wasn't working, and so that began my journey, like, like a crazy, crazy transformation in a, like a day, to like I was living with a girl and all the, all those things, and that my life changed, and I, and at that moment I went from that walking down the aisle to go into a college group and I, the pastor's like, I, I go into the college group area and I knew all the people and I walked out and I went to the pastors. It's like, Hey man, if, if, if knowing Jesus is with these people or with this, these people are just like me. I, I don't want that. And he's like, well, what do you do? And I was like, well, I've been singing this band. He grabs the, the choir director that's standing there, Monty, and he's just like, hey, this boy sings, and you put him in your choir. So the next week on Sunday, I was singing in the choir, Central Baptist Church, and Shane and his group of buddies happened to be there because that's where they went to church. <laughs> and a couple weeks before that, Shane had borrowed my guitar for his first concert, and they came down and were like, hey, man, you want to hang out? I think they felt bad for me. Because they're like, what are you doing here? And and that kind of began our relationship, my relationship with the Lord. And the Lord really... You need some friends. You need some friends, buddy. <laughs> Why are you up there doing that? But anyway, so that kind of began like our friendship. And and he had just played his first concert. And the Lord just kind of like lined it up in a way that that we we started the rest is history. The rest is history. So that that's kind of that's kind of what led us to today. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to jump into the writing process. So you started writing back then and so what does that look like now? Do you both write? Does one of you write? Do you write with other people? Like what is that creative process like? Yeah. We have written a little bit together, but I think over the years we learned our our roles. So so like I I kind of started writing songs more out of obligation. Like when my my roommates asked me to play this concert, well I'd never sang into a microphone before I just sang the same 20 worship songs over and over. So like I wrote these songs and then all of a sudden people would call. So we would, uh, you know, I dropped out of college and we would go play and sing these seven songs. And so those songs are, are horrible songs. I mean, they're just really, really, really laughable, but God used them for, you know, in whatever way that was sort of the doorway that we were walking through. And so writing for me has always been kind of like pretty devotional, you know, of just lots of songs in those first years, first decade and a half, were just written out of exhaustion in some stairwell, just, you know, I want to yearn for you, you know, just like, oh, there's, I think there was a lot of desperation in the songs of just like, I want to know you so, so bad, you know, and, and continue to be a theme. But in the early days, I had, like we have said, zero grid for this. Gavi Lampiero was my grid. So like, we just opened the Bible. And we're like, didn't they used to sing the Psalms? And just turn to the Psalms as like a songbook, and tried to sing these Psalms as we were going through real things, as I was going through real things. 
of just letting that be the balm for for my soul. And then God just kind of tricked me into the deal. I mean, it's like I didn't want to do that. That's just what happened. And then after some years, it's like I don't have much of anything else to say other than what he said, right? Because that kind of works. Yeah. Pretty sure that works. And so just clinging to his word is always, it, it didn't start out as like a deep priority or business value. It just was like, I don't know what else to do. So that's what I'm going to do. And then after some years of like, wow, that seems like it really works. It's like, okay, I think, I think singing God's word's a good thing. I think God's word's really effective. You know, I think in fact, he's really good at changing hearts, you know, and the spirit of God through his word. Um, and so that's just how songwriting has looked, for, looked like for me. Um, Shane ended up, I mean, like our roles started to really develop, you know, halfway through our career where, you know, Shane has, has jumped into like all of our management side and all of our public relations side. And we've never had management before. And he just kind of took the reins of all that and anything that on the creative side, like writing or producing or whatever, I just kind of took the reins with that. And we both do a little bit of both, but like for the most part, and that's what it looks like. And now we have like a, a team of artists here in our space. And so I write with them and I have a couple of other friends that I've made, you know, over the years around the country and we'll write together and, um, and which is, which is a blessing. I didn't write with people the first, I don't know, I mean, 15 years of, of, we, we were traveling so much. Like there wasn't a chance, like writing wasn't, it was never on my mind or anything. It was just coming out of me as a emergency, you know, grace that God had given me that I could go into some space and just cry out to him, you know, and so now we get to be a little bit more strategic about let's go on writing retreats and let's, you know, let's write for this kind of audience or let's do these kinds of things. Those are all pretty new, but it's yeah. super fun. Yeah. So I love the Psalms, love all of the songs about the Psalms, but then you also got into hymns. And so I think I heard that you didn't grow up with hymns and you probably had some hymns in, in the Baptist church, but what drew you to the hymns? I think like every time we would, I would hear a hymn or most of the time in the context that we would go to church or, our church or wherever we were going, I remember we were going to this little church down south of Dallas uh, and they were singing, they were they would sing quite a bit of hymns because it was an older congregation. Like I heard this, I remember, uh, I remember Hunter led, led before the throne of God and I was like, what is that? Is that who, what? And I mean, it was like, Every hymn was just like this new amazing song. I'm just like, so I was like in real time, like getting a hold of these things. And so I think it's just been as we experience the hymns, they really are just like, they're a new, they're not, they're old for a lot of folks, but they're really new. They're like a new song. Even the style, it's like, this is a new style. Even though it's, it's a lot of them are ancient, ancient ish, you know. And then like on this new record, Psalm Simpson Spiritual Songs, a pretty new friend of mine, he's a worship pastor in Northern California, his name's Grayson. He came down to write for a day and he brought some hymns or poems that Fanny Crosby had written. She wrote like so many, so many hymns. Yeah. She lived in the, in the 1800s. It's what a dear sister. But there's like this treasure trove of her writing that 
had recently got opened that no one had ever seen or or heard. I mean, they'd never been put to music, but just of like some some poems and hymns that she'd written. And he brought like 10 of those. So we were just sifting through them and singing, co-writing with this dear sister. It was just like incredible. So, and he, he was just here for a day. So, so two songs ended up going on the record, which we recorded the record a week later. So I did not expect to come out of that time with songs, but like two of the hymnish songs or hymns, we got to co-write with her. So like, you know, she would write a verse, we'd write a chorus, you know, and just such a sweet experience in that regard of like, man, there's, there's hymns that exist out there that no one's ever seen or heard and, and how sweet it was to kind of come around, you know, someone who's, who was born, uh, well, she wasn't born blind, but she, um, she had a, an, an eye accident with a, actually a doctor and she became blind at like two months old. And just with the, the, the kind of language that someone like that living in a, in a culture that she did in like the heart cries are kind of the same, you know, uh, because she's, she's just, she was just a woman of the word and, you know, she had her own struggles and all those things and saw her sin, you know, just like, you know, she came across as like a Paulian, you know, the foremost of sinners. And it just was like so sweet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I've just kind of fallen in love with the hymns. It's, it wasn't like, I, I, we kind of stumbled into it in the way that like, I don't know, it wasn't a lot of like, I think we should just be into all the hymns right now. It was more of like, whoa, did you hear that? Oh my goodness. And then, you know, at the worship initiative, there was a moment, we'd done a, a good handful of hymns, but there was a moment where like, man, I, we really need to start resourcing the, 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 the church and come behind these songs. And so like teaching parts and harmonies and getting videos of instruments and all of those kinds of things around, you know, now it's a pretty good collection. I don't know, a hundred hymns or so that you can, that you can start incorporating into your like contemporary services. Cause we kind of took a contemporary approach with them, you know? So in order to be kind of palatable on both sort of like your 80 year old and then your eight year old, we did the best we could with that. Yeah. Thank you for joining me today on By His Grace. I hope you've enjoyed listening and are encouraged by our guest today. I would love for you to visit my blog, mistyphilip.com, for more encouragement. You can find me on social media as Misty Phillip, and I would love to connect with you there. 